Welcome to the Spurs News Podcast, your home for all things Spurs. And now, let's join our hosts. and welcome back to the Spurs News Podcast. After a little extended break, apologies for that, but I was poorly sick. Uh, I am Sam, and I'm delighted to say I'm joined by my partner in crime, Matt. How you doing, Sam? You feeling better now, mate? Yeah, thank you. Yeah, last Good. week I um, I literally couldn't speak, uh, so I still sound a little bit croaky. But I, uh, yeah, I was full on not able to speak, sort of like, uh, hello. You, like you, you, would have, you would have sounded like a sinister pirate then, wouldn't you? That would have been the... Oh, definitely sinister. <laughs> I mean, to be honest with you, if it had been a couple of days later, we recording on a sounded like one of those specialist 0800 number call centre workers, you know. <laughs> hey, baby, how you doing? <laughs> Maybe we should have recorded then. That kind of got a moment. Yes, That's well, right. it, could have been, it could have been a very different podcast. Welcome to Spurs News. <laughs> Late night love. Yeah, like that, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, as the uh, as the stupid because I have a stupid sense of humour as the stupid intro this week sang things can only get better me and Matt are here to talk about all things Tottenham Hotspur which at the moment could also cross over with suicide awareness but we're <laughs> do you know what today's mental health awareness day I, I can't quite decide if that's hilarious timing for us to be recording this podcast <laughs> or kind of poetic do, do you know but, talking about coincidences as well? I yeah. I didn't go to the um, which game was it? It was the the Bayern, uh, Bayern Munich game. I, th- I didn't go to that game. But <laughs> ah, I, so I, it's your fault. Good. <laughs> yeah, well, there we go. We got it out there. Do you know? Do you know what? I, I've been alright. Yeah. I, I, well, mind you, I went to the Newcastle game, so I've not bought them one hundred percent luck going to the games. But uh, no. that, I did see on social media there were a few people on the train home uh, from the game and yeah. uh, traveling by train. And um, I don't know if it's the same up your way, but uh, the train tickets you get down here, they normally put adverts on the back of the train tickets. Uh, yeah, and, yeah, I think I've seen this. And they were advertised for the Samaritans. Yeah. <laughs> I think it was yeah, quite apt. Yeah. I, I saw a few people sharing that on Twitter, just basically like, just even even the train companies are taking the piss out of us right now. It's like, yeah, yeah, I hear you. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I think for therapy to work, which this podcast is therapy this week, without a shadow of a doubt, you kind of got to air the crap to get there. Oh, um I don't want to go into depth into the games because I don't think that serves anything. We all watched them. We, we were crap. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but let me just let me just uh, taper that a moment actually by saying I thought the first thirty minutes against Bayern Munich we were actually okay. Yep. <laughs> which yep. which almost makes it worse. <laughs> it's it's all. It's, it's listen. I'm not. I, I'm absolutely not trying to make excuses for that that game. Yeah. But it, it was one of them games where. Every shot they had seemed to fly in the back of the net, and that doesn't yeah, happen yeah. that often. <laughs> no, no, and it doesn't happen that often. And it was, you know, the scoreline got got to where it was because we went after it. And when you open up against a team like that, who, oh, like you say, are everything they hit was finding the corners. Yeah, yeah. It's just, it's just going to happen. Um, 
I went into the game and I, I take some responsibility here. Everyone can blame me. I went into the game and I literally turned around to my friend who's an Arsenal fan and I said, huh, well, at least we ain't going to get spanked 5-1. Even oh. if we lose, I know it ain't going to be that bad. And oh. the reason why I said that is because my genuine belief is ever since Pochettino came in, we don't get smashed by no. people, you know. No. You remember that towards the end of the AVB era, we were like getting smashed six nil, seven one oh, or whatever God, by yeah. all. You know, Man City, Liverpool were just turning us over five goals plus, and I, I was just like, yeah, under Pot that doesn't happen. I think our worst amount we concede is like three. Uh, you know, that weird Newcastle game at the end of the season is like our worst beating. Yeah, that ain't gonna happen again. That ain't gonna happen in the Champions League. Oh my god, did I suffer for that? Oh, because we went one nil up, so I was like, "Here we go." And then when we got a second, because I know we were losing at this point, but we got a second, I was like, "Well, at least it ain't going to be five one." So no matter what happens, oh no, it's going to be seven two. Great, brilliant. Thanks for that. You kind of take five one, wouldn't you? Yeah, at that point, I was I would have been happy. (laughs) Yeah, man, I I got a laugh, and I got a laugh because it is just one of these freak things, like. I just I never saw that coming in a million years. I could see us losing the game. Bayern are a great side, and we're not in good form. So us losing the game, I could see us getting beat by that margin is just something I could never have predicted. Mm. Um, I think it's I think's what a yeah. lot of people have struggled with. Yeah, sure. No, and and I think with me, um, I know we're going through a bad patch at the moment. But that was one. That was a game that kind of really cemented for me the fact that things aren't great <laughs> because like you know you only got to look at last season with Barcelona I mean we lost to them yeah. in the Champions League didn't we 4-2 yeah we did yeah yeah but we, I, we, I don't we remember, were awful that yeah <laughs> but I don't remember sort of coming away thinking oh the season's in tatters not that I feel that now but it, it's just it has a different feeling about it and I think the the, the margin and, and I and like, like you said I mean it was one of those ones where we had to go for it so we was opening ourselves up uh, to, to concede more goals, yeah, yeah. but it, it just kind of, yeah, it's a it's a real shock to the system that result, a real shock to the system. It was, it, yeah. it was a shock to the system, and I think kind of everyone. I think I, again, I, I can only speak for me, but I kind of came away from that where I was, I was almost numbed by it. Mm. It was almost like kind of wow, that was bad, but that was so bad it like went past being annoyed. I was just kind of. Yeah. Damn, where the hell did that come from? <laughs> what, what do you do now? <laughs> and, and I think, I think mentally in my mind, um, I I just kind of went, do you know what? That's just a mad blip, you know. That's just an insane result. Shake that off. We're you know we're playing Brighton. You know the the team have got an opportunity straight away to put this right. You know if they do, then we can all just go. Ooh, that was a weird result, but you know we're back on track. Mm. So I think the fact that we then abjectly limped to a hammering they deserved it Brighton deserved the result uh, Brighton played well yeah. um, I, I don't want to dis- disparage the fact that they played well but at the same time we allowed them mm. to play well mm. and we showed no energy we showed no desire no real um, it, it was it was painful to watch that mm. game um, mm. I, I think the Bayern game was, was embarrassing just because of the scoreline I felt we played okay in the first half and it, like when we chased the game and opened up, we got destroyed, mm. which is embarrassing. Um, but I, I felt the Brighton game was was painful, just because I felt like after that Byron result, I was expecting a reaction. Yeah, me too. And exactly. if that yeah. if that limp noodle is the reaction, then that 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 kind of got to me more, which doesn't make a great deal of logical sense, but it did. Um, Hugo Lloris's injury, obviously. Um, 
uh, a couple of the players have said it's not an excuse, but they were kind of freaked out. But now I can kind of understand that it was he was in a lot of pain, and this is the opening minutes of the game. You've conceded a goal when your confidence is low, and he, he was screaming in pain. Yeah, you can see um, that, can which you? which is gonna have an effect on you. Um, so a couple of the players have sort of said, you know, no excuses. We were completely poor, but you know we were you know really shaken by that because it was quite horrible um to me yeah yeah i can kind of understand that i can kind of understand but then i kind of thought at half time right then you know shake that off boys you know he's at hospital now he's okay you know you need to back focus because otherwise you're going to lose this game and i felt we came out the second half and started playing some decent football but then it almost like we ran out of energy, which is just bizarre. Mm, um, mm. Like we just suddenly stopped playing again. Um, it's like one or two players. Like Harry Winks will literally run through walls for this football club. Um, I don't think he'll ever stop. Uh, Sissoko appears to be the same nowadays. Um, you know, he's playing out of position at right back. Um, I, I don't know, man. It just Like I said, I don't want to go into too much detail on the games, but it was that kind of abject lack of uh, response in the Brighton game which actually got to me more than the Bayern result. Yeah, I agree. And and do you know uh, do you know what Sam uh, talking about uh, Lloris, um I I mean I know we saw a little bit of it on our page on our Facebook page. Yeah. I, I I get I get people's frustrations and frustrations can boil over to anger, but when yeah. when I was seeing things like uh, I hope this is career ending it yeah. was it was disgusting, you know. It really yeah. was. I mean, like, he, he, Lloris isn't playing well. I don't think at the moment. And in a strange mm, very, kind of very few are. Yeah, in a, yeah, in a strange kind of way, I don't know. It could potentially be a blessing in in disguise. Him being out for a few months, I, it, the proof will be in the pudding. I think. We, we, I think we we wait and see how how Gazaniga steps up uh, yeah. as a as our main goalkeeper. But yeah, it's an interesting one. I think, but. Another player I wanted to talk about, and you mentioned him as well, Sissoko. Mm. He, it, it was after this, the Brighton game, wasn't it? He posted, yeah, it. yeah. And I, I, yeah. I, my, my, um, what would I say, respect, admiration of him, shut up when I saw that because it's so easy for players to tweet things or on Twitter or post something on Facebook or Instagram after a, a victory and get loads of likes. Yeah. But when, yeah. when, when we're going through the, the patch that we're going through, you normally don't hear anything from them maybe because they, they just don't want to see the negativity they don't want to see all the hate that will come their way yeah. so for Sizoko to post an apology on on Twitter and I think he put it on Facebook as well he did yeah it, that showed that showed balls for me you know for him to do that and it shows yeah. that and it shows to me that he cares you know yeah I mean yeah again you're, you're talking about reactions on social media I mean Social media is almost like designed for overreaction, mm. but I, I do wish, and I, and I, I even responded. You know, someone I, I posted were a goal down. Looks like Larice is seriously injured. Um, when in the Brighton game, and the first response was, hopefully he's out. You know, hopefully his career ending and you know general abuse laid at him. Um, when I posted the update on him later on that day, I actually wrote in the comments before anyone else could comment, just that, look, if you're planning to comment on this, you hope his career is over, etc., etc., please take a moment and mm-hmm. think before mm-hmm. you write. Because regardless of what you think about a football player's form, this is a guy who's been serving the club for years. And it wasn't that long ago people were in 
Oh, he's going to leave us for Man United. He's going to leave us for Real Madrid. What are we going to do? He's one of the best goalkeepers in the league. He's not dropped his level. He's now got a manager who's asking him to do something which he's never had to do in his career before. And he's adapting and he's working hard to do it. As a shot stopper, I mean, you did a match stats on him at one point where you talked about his reactions for saves are under a second. Yeah, there, there was one. There was one save. Um, yeah. it's, it's, I'm recording it now. There's one save. It was against uh, Monaco in yeah. 2016. That yeah. when we didn't have the greatest of Champions League uh, no. campaigns. But the save he made, so from the time it left the attacker's foot to touching his glove, was yeah. less time than it takes you to click the mouse on your computer. Yeah, yeah, it was insane. I mean, the, yeah. the guy, his reaction shot stopping is as good as it ever has been. His judgment of rushing out, people can question stuff, but it's funny because goalkeepers, like unlike other players, they are judged by the mistakes. Mm. And that's because of the position they're in. Because if a goalkeeper makes a mistake, typically it's a goal. And Hugo Lloris has now, you know, I'm not hiding behind anything in my opinion here, I'm going to say it as it is. Hugo Lloris now has, since 2016, made the most mistakes leading to goals of goalkeepers in the Premier League. Mm-hmm. Um, now, that is stat on its own, in isolation, would say to every Tottenham fan, anybody else in the league, well, Tottenham need to change their goalkeeper because, you know, that's not good enough if you've got a goalkeeper making those mistakes. But a stat in isolation can be manipulated to serve any purpose. Of course, yeah. What I always talk about, and me and you talk about on here, is context. Whenever you look at something, always put it in a greater context of, okay, he has made that many mistakes since 2016 to lead the goals, but what does he do save-wise compared to other goalkeepers in the league? What does he do all these other things? And when you put that in the context, he's number one for shot-stopping in the league. He overtook David De Gea last season. Yeah. So he's the number one goalkeeper. He faces more shots than any other top six keeper, which is a frightening indictment of how our defending's gone downhill since 2016, but it's the fact. Mm. So people talk about the mistakes he made. Talk about this. He also has had more back passes <laughs> than than any other of the top six keepers. Probably most centre backs as well, to be honest. Oh, yeah. yeah just... <laughs> But when you talk about like the other teams, you know, Liverpool, Man City, the other two teams, uh, Arsenal are doing it now as well. But basically, it's playing out from the back. This is something that is the philosophy of certain managers, which is you play it out from the back, you draw teams onto you, you play it through them, and then you've created space. This is the philosophy of Pochettino has been from day one. Now, he has received more backpacks. So what that basically means is, is our defenders are picking up the ball, and rather than picking a pass, possibly because no one's free in front of them, there's nowhere to go, they're putting it back to him. Now, he is being asked by the manager, who has said in press conferences time and time again, don't blame him for mistakes, it's me asking him to do this. Mm. He's then trying to pick out someone else for a pass. He's not just lumping it up the field, because then that defeats the whole object. Yeah, he's, he's, so he's playing as an out, outfield player yeah, to an extent, isn't he? You, yeah. You're basically giving him the ball, saying, go on then. Hugo, you know, be creative. Mm, <laughs> yeah, and and it, it guess what? Mistakes are happening. It does when you're playing badly and you're in a bad run of form. There is an argument, I think, all of us to say, all right, game management in the 46th minute when you're one nil up, going into the dying minutes before half time. How about you find Rosette? Mm. And I 100% agree with that. Right, mm. <laughs> I 100%. Like for me, 
the the Arsenal game you've only got to look at as well, Sam. Yeah, for that. certain times of the game, you do diff- things differently. Like, okay, if you're opening up the game, perhaps don't try with your first touch to, you know, sidestep someone to take it past them. Play it safe. Get yourself into the game. As a goalkeeper, Hugo, never, ever try and Cruyff turn somebody, all right? <laughs> it ain't you. It's not you. And But this is the thing, and I'll come back to this. For people to then react and say they wish he was out for the rest of his career, they hope it's career-ending. These are Tottenham fans saying that. I know, yeah. And that, that gets to me. That That's kind of, you know, that's going beyond being angry about results and all this stuff. And yeah, like you said, people get frustrated and they blurt stuff out, but... I put on the comments, everyone think before you comment, and I'm delighted to say that the vast majority of the comments later that evening were supportive for him to get well soon. Yeah. Um, I hope that perhaps a few people who'd gone on there might have seen that and actually gone, yeah, you know what, <laughs> maybe it's time for me to step away from social media. <laughs> yeah. when, I'm, when I'm hoping a guy who's served the club well for years has broken his arm in 10 places or something. Perhaps I need to take a break. Mm, yeah. Uh, um, but you talk about Sissoko. Sorry, just, just to finish this point then. Um, the reaction to that was uh, like a 50-50 split. 50% of people were quite positive of, you know, fair play to you for stepping up, saying something. We all appreciate it. You know, we're supporting you. Come on, you know, we, we can get through this. The other 50% were like, oh, wow, how much do you pay the PR guy to write that for you? Mm. And and I think, again, this is just a burning indictment of where people are, cynicism, where people are in terms of um, their anger towards everything. Because the reality is when you see a player tweet after a victory, and now I've said this, you can all go this. Next time Tottenham win a game... Uh, you go and read the tweets from the players. I guarantee you they're all going to be very similar because the club's PR person hands them a thing. Right, guys, go on your social media and tweet this. Do you remember a few years ago we had this thing like hashtag together after you know, we'd win a game, we're all doing it together? Mm. Yeah, Tottenham won a social media award for that because it was innovated by the club and all the players were told to write it. Go ahead. <laughs> so... There's this, <laughs> there's this disconnect of kind of like when we win, everyone's in a great mood, so no one gives a crap that basically all the players are tweeting an identically worded, handed to them script. But here's a player who stuck his head above the trenches when everyone else is hiding. He's written a kind of heartfelt rallying call of like, stick with us, please, and he's getting stick for it. Yeah. And I kind of just like, yeah, I, I realise it's the mood of people, but. Again, take a step back, take a breath, and and then go from there. I, I think that's that's the key message, isn't it? At the moment, it's just take take a step back, and it's it's yeah. easy to do that once the dust settle has settled. So, although saying that, I mean, even now, I'm seeing things on social media, people saying things out. They're still really angry, but yeah. obviously, you see a lot more of it post, you know, post game. But yeah, it, it is one of those things that you just need to take a step back, don't you? You need to just look at the bigger picture. It it, yeah, it really is yeah, yeah. that is really what you need to do. And I, I, I mean, I, obviously, I, like probably most uh, Spurs fans, I'm trying to make sense of it and trying to kind of um, you know make myself feel better with the situation and try, try to kind of piece together a way of it not looking as bad as it feels at the moment. Yeah, and. It, it's look. It's 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 still early days, isn't it? I mean, that's that's one of the things. It's it's still early days. Yeah. I know the signs don't look good, and like we've been knocked no. out of the 
League Cup already by lowly Colchester and yeah, who you are under twenty ones did on penalties. Yeah, the other day. it's insane, isn't it? Yeah, it's such a it's such a <laughs> weird world, isn't it? It's sort of, sometimes things yeah. happen in, in in life that you like. If I'd have read that in a book, I'd be like, that that wouldn't happen in real life. But it kind yeah. of, you know, it's it's, it's yeah. odd how that happens. If, if you if you've ever played like the the football manager championship manager games, it's like sometimes you get like results on that, and you're like, well, that would never happen. Yeah, and then then you're like, oh, actually, yeah, fair enough. <laughs> it <yeah>. does happen. <laughs> yeah, maybe it can happen. Yeah, yeah. but it's um, look, I, I, we don't know what's going to happen for the rest of the season, do we? We, we don't know. I mean, it, we might just suddenly spark into life and have a fantastic run. Yeah. You know, you, you look. You look at last season. We f- we finished. We finished in the top form, and we lost. What was it something like thirteen games, didn't we? So we, we lost a high number of games, and we still yeah. managed to reach the top four. Yeah. Even if we don't make the top four this season, and it's still early days. <gasps> it's still pretty, yeah. Yeah. But yeah. even if we don't, is it is it the end of the world? You know, is it the end of the world? It, like in the overall picture of Spurs and where we want to get to and everything. You know, is is it the end of the world? It, you know, it, could it be a year for restructuring? I mean, you, you're looking at. Manchester United, massive, humongous club, and they're struggling to qualify for the Champions League over the last few seasons. You know, it's. Yeah. I, I just, I just feel that the the bigger picture is what we need to focus on, as opposed to this kind of mini period we're going through. It's, at the moment. Um, it's difficult because I think the frustration lies in everyone feeling like we were so close two years ago, yeah. uh, three years ago, of like we're right there, we're like right there. And I, I think the the kind of frustration boils over because in it's like it's like there's two things going on. There's like the football club, and then there's Tottenham Hotspur PLC, and Tottenham Hotspur PLC with the new stadium, the training facilities, everything is like it's just leapt in the last few years. It's like phenomenal, and we're all so like proud of where our club, how it looks now, how it feels. And whilst the football team were doing well. You know, I know we've not been lifting trophies, but the team's been doing well. You know, mm. it's like a it's like a step up from where we were. We were a team challenging for Europa League places, not the title ever, but a team challenging to be in the Europa League to a team that's consistently in the Champions League for you know four years in a row. That that's a step up. You know, regardless of how you want to view it, it is a step up. So whilst that's been happening and the club's been everything's been like feeling great. Um, and then all of a sudden, we're now in this situation where the football side's really slipped, and it's kind of like, and I think people are almost angry at the the company side because it's like you've spent all that money on a stadium, you've done all this, you've done all this. If you'd spent it on a team, you know, we could have lifted a trophy by now. Mm. And I, and I and it's just like it's like the like you've said about you know perspective, overall complexity of everything is. It's very easy to say, well, you know, if we were still in White Hart Lane in, instead of spending all this money on a stadium we'd spent on players, we probably would have won the league the year Leicester did it. We probably could have retained it. We could have done this. We could have done that. But the reality of football and development is if we didn't invest in the stadium and build the new stadium, we wouldn't be able to compete full stop. Because I can guarantee you, even winning the Premier League doesn't keep a football player, you know, at your club when another club's willing to pay them five times what you can because your stadium only holds 36,000 and the maximum wages you can pay is dictated by FIFA's fair play rules. Yeah, do you know do you know what name comes to mind instantly? It's Kante. For, uh, Kante, yeah. that's exactly what I was thinking yeah. of. Uh, and, and that's the thing, look, it's it's a difficult one and, it, and it's just my view on it, but my, my son's uh, seven, so... Uh, yeah. 
if he starts going to, I mean, he's, I'm well and truly, you know, he's, he's indoctrinated as they come. He's, he's a complete nut yep. Spurs fan there, you know. So there's yep. no worry for me that he's going to be going anywhere but to see Spurs play when he's an adult. So let's say when he's 25, so how many years is that going to be? So if he's seven now, another 18 years. So in 18 years' time, when he's going to see, watch the football as an adult, a 25-year-old, would he, would he be happier sitting in the stadium he's in now with a, uh, supporting a big football club who consistently does well, you know, not saying win trophies, but it's consistently yeah. a good, very good side in, in the top league. So he's going to see quality football every week on, yep. on the whole. Or would he prefer to be sitting in a 35,000 seat of White Hart, old White Hart Lane season, uh, mm. stadium, reminiscing about 18 or 20 years ago when he was four or five and Spurs won the, the Premier League? Yeah. It, uh, but, but then they're kind of, we're mid table and, you know, it's it's a really it's it's difficult because every fan wants to see us lift trophies and stuff in our lifetime. Um, you know, every single one of us wants to see the glory, and so it's very difficult to also understand Daniel Levy's position, for example, because Daniel Levy has always been about he's a custodian for the club and he wants to make sure that when his time running things is over, whoever takes it on next is in like the best possible position it can be. Um, and his view is always long term. His view is always right. We need the stadium to be competitive long term. They built the stadium. You need the youth, the training facilities, all of these things put in place because the club needs to generate its own players in addition to signings. They've done that. Um, you know, he's brought in a manager in Mauricio Pochettino who had lots of input in loads of different things. He, he So his vision is always long-term. And I can completely understand why that's frustrating because I'm I'm a fan. I want to see us lift stuff now. You know, you just talked about, like, Seb, you know, going forward, i got a daughter as well. And they're going to be supporting Tottenham when we're gone. And for them, perhaps they'll see all of the benefit of all of this pain that we're in right now <laughs> because the stadium would have been there for years the debt would be gone the naming rights would be done um you know the investment in the team would be frequent every window you know all of these things that we'd love right now they're potentially going to see because of the painful period that we as fans are going through right now and and, and you know what on on that point as well it, it is that and that's what I'm that's that that is what I'm saying about is it the worst thing in the world if we, for example, didn't qualify for the Champions League and potentially only qualify for the Europa well, League this season? Is it is it painful? Is it painful? I mean, like you know, look in ten years' time. If if even let's say ten years' time, if if yeah. hopefully we'll still be about two of us. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So maybe if we in ten years' time, if we're reaping the benefit of where where they're trying to get the club, would we look back and think, oh, do you know what? I wish we'd qualified for the Champions League that year uh, and and still struggled. Or do we think, well, do you know what? We qualified for the Europa League for a couple of years, but look where we are now. Look, it, it was worth yeah. going through that. And is that it's, really is that really pain? Because I, I know we talk, yeah, yeah, and I know we talk about it all the time, Sam, because of because of our gener- we, we're both of similar generation. And, and, and I apologise to younger mm. fans who are probably sick to death of us talking about it, but. If you wanna, if you really wanna feel pain as a Spurs fan, <laughs> there was some painful times. And 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 look, you know, if if you just just and this is aimed probably for for anyone listening who's maybe in their mid twenties who didn't have to, yeah. wasn't old enough really to remember the the bad days, like you know the the the, the night some of the nineties. 
relegation. It, it, you just just put yourself in the place where you're coming to the end of the season. You've got about three or four games to go. We don't even know yet if we're going to get relegated. That's how yeah. bad it is. And at the same time, we're watching those scumbags down the road winning. Yeah. Anything they want to, whenever they want. They, they've got the be- they, they've got they've got the players like Dennis Bergkamp there, Petit. They've got some world class players. <laughs> they're just lording it, like you know. They're and, just and we got Musa Saeed. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Right, you know. So so what I'm saying is, this is where it needs to be put into perspective. Because if we have a couple of seasons that aren't aren't going to get us in the Champions League, for example, then is it really pain? Is it really pain? Um, it depends again because. The, the argument of pain from me and you point of view of like, so for example, if someone said to us right now, you know, poof, there's a genie and the genie says, I can tell you the future. I can tell you for the next couple of years, you're going to be in the Europa League whilst the team gets rebuilt. However, when that team is rebuilt, you're going to win trophies on a regular basis for the next 20 years. There isn't a fan alive who yeah. wouldn't go, done, deal. Yeah, absolutely. Sweet, I'll take that. Thumbs yeah. up. Where do I sign? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Who has two thumbs and loves that idea? This guy. <laughs> so that's the thing. And But the problem is no one can tell us that. No oh. one can tell us that. And th- the key reason is because, of course, it's not down to us. Other clubs can have different things. Manchester City are winning trophies, Hannah Fist, and they've got a squad to die for. What would happen at Manchester City if suddenly the, the the wealth of that nation suddenly just, you know, do you know what? I'm done with football. I'm going to sell Manchester City. You've got to pay me 600 million to pay me off my debts to the club, etc., etc. Manchester City would suddenly crumble mm. because they'd have to sell the players. Everything like there are factors, and don't get me wrong, I don't think that's going to happen, unfortunately. Mm. But what, what, what I mean is, there are so many factors and things. A, a quadrillionaire could suddenly buy, I don't know, Leicester, and Leicester dominate for the next 10 years because they can suddenly afford it. Uh, you know, I know I point to FIFA Fair Play and owners like that shouldn't exist anymore, but we all know that when you're that rich, you pay the fine. Um, you know, Paris Saint-Germain signed... Uh, Neymar broke every rule in their book and paid a 40 million euro fine well to them it was like yeah peanuts it was worth yeah. it yeah. yeah still nuts to me <laughs> a quarter <laughs> of a billion euros for a football player but anyway um I uh yeah I I just think that we don't qualify for the Champions League you talk about pain the only pain really is financial because the income from the Champions League is between 50 and about 100 million a season and for the club for the last four years, that's made a massive impact on what we've been able to do in terms of transfers, in terms of everything else. Because, of course, the working capital for the PLC, if you like, has all been on the stadium. In theory, with naming rights, etc., you know, the stadium's then paid for by itself. If you're in the Europa League, we should still be able to invest to try and take that step back again. But you also then run into that players thing of... Ooh, I'm not in the Champions League anymore. Teams, you know, teams who are in the Champions League want to sign me. Um, you know, we just run into all manner of new problems. Don't get me wrong. If players are paid enough, they tend to ride out a season or two in the Europa League. Just look at Chelsea, look at Manchester United. But we also know the wage structure that Daniel Levy imposes at the club probably means that ain't likely. So. Yeah, from my point of view as a fan, if someone said to me, you're in the Europa League for a year, two years, but then you're going to be very successful, yeah, I'd take that all day long. The fact we can't do that, the fact we don't know, and the fact the only thing we do know 
is it will create a financial impact on a budget that's already stretched, it is a worry that we're not going to get there this year. Yeah, for me. Yeah, um, no, I, I do agree. But what I'd suggest is, you know, you, you talk about the, the genie analogy. We, we've kind of got look, and this, this, is, this is no guarantee, obviously, but we, we've we've got things in place, like you say, you know, like we've got the naming rights of the ground to come, and we've got yep. things set up in place. So it's not like we're. Um, you know, like we're struggling in a small ground, oh, no, no, and we kind of like way and way punching above our weight being in the Champions League. And if we don't qualify, then it just completely knocks everything. You forget about us ever being in the Champions League ever again. You know, I feel like everything's slowly getting built, and I appreciate you separating the the, the, the two sides of it. You know, the PLC, if you like, yeah. and the, and the actual the, the squad. Mm. But again, with the, with the squad, I mean, you look at. I mean, I'd hope. Pochettino will be with us for a long, long while to come. I really do. I just hope he's going to be with us for the next 10, 15 years even, which I know would be odd in, the, in these times. Yeah. But you've only got to look at what he does with players, you know, and and, and players that Levy can get cheaply and what he does with them players. So maybe, and you know, it, it, it potentially, I know when people are saying about the, you know the, the squad becoming tired and things, Maybe I don't know. It could potentially be for the good, for the good, like you know, to to kind of almost like a self-inflicted regeneration of the squad. Yeah, well, you, I mean, you don't you don't know. I'm I'm just guessing at what no. could potentially happen in the future. But I I don't I don't have this fear that you know if if we don't qualify for the Champions League this season, that's us then for the next twenty thirty years. We can forget about ever doing it again. I feel like we've built the club to to the stage now where. You know, it'll be disappointing if we don't qualify for the Champions League, yeah. but it's not gonna. It will just be a a blip in the in the course of what's hopefully to come in the next ten twenty years. You know. Yeah, yeah. No, I hear what you're saying. I um, I still stand by my statement I made some time ago, which is if Harry Kane leaves Tottenham, I'm gonna really struggle. Mm. Um, the the guy is Tottenham through and through, loves the club, literally loves it. Um, so if he turns around one day and says. Do you know what? I don't think we're going to win anything here. I need to leave. That's going to hurt. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm not. I'm not. Yeah, I'm not even sure how I'm going to cope with that. But um, mate, if if you're happy, we um put a post out on our Facebook page this morning for people's comments and questions for our discussion. And I actually had a very quick look through earlier on, and there were some really good ones in there. I've not seen if there's been any more added since, which could be, you know. Suck everyone! They're all <laughs> bastards. Um, but uh, if you're happy, mate, I want to take a look at them. This guy. And now it's time for your comments directly from our Facebook page. Right then, so we have your comments from our Facebook page. Uh, first one up is. Dun, 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 dun. Alpesh, hey Alpesh, I bet, right, I haven't read this yet. I bet he's going to talk about team enrich. is it team enrichment? Squad enrichment. Squad enrichment. It's going to have the word enrichment in it, right, let's go <laughs> let's for go. it. A much needed overhaul, as I've been calling it, team enrichment. Doom, <laughs> there you go. <laughs> um, for how long now on the podcast, but I did question earlier at the beginning, where is our transfer policy gone to help us on the field? Mitchell and McDermott are long gone, uh, that's not true. I feel Mopo has left to pick up the pieces and even he is now questioning why he's starting to go wrong. He does need to spend and create another force at our new home. Okay. Um Okay, I think I follow what you're getting at there. Uh first of all, uh, yeah, Mitchell's long gone. Uh very long gone. That's been a few years now. 
Um, he couldn't work under Daniel Levy, uh, which is fine. Not many can. Um, <laughs> John McDermott has never been uh, part of our recruitment in terms of first team. He is on the transfer committee, uh, but he's not like scout. Steve Hitchin is the chief scout at Tottenham, has been for two seasons now. I think this is going into his third uh, but yeah, John McDermott runs the academy. Uh, John basically sits on the transfer policy in terms of uh, they look at a player and John will say, no, don't sign him. I've got this lad who can do that job better. He's younger, you know, et cetera, et cetera. He gives his opinion from that point of view. Uh, John does get involved in some of the youth recruitment for obvious reasons, but no, uh, he's not a guy. He's not like a Mitchell replacement in any sense. And he is still there. I don't know why you think he's gone, but he is very much still there. But yeah, Steve Hitchin is chief scout um the squad enrichment debate uh and i do like squad enrichment as a (laughs) as a term i think i've said that before i genuinely believe now the reason we are in this mess is our lack of activity over a few transfer windows that's not me saying us not signing anybody is like a direct result, you know, we should have been signing world-class players, da, 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 da. that's not what I mean. What I mean is, when you've got a squad of 20, uh, it's not, but let's call it 25, just for easy numbers. Of that 25, we've known for two seasons, five of them will never get games. You know, Vincent Janssen, for example, George Kevin Nkudu was another example. There are certain players who were in our first team squad, who would literally only be picked if the whole first team ate lasagna the night before. <laughs> and if you don't get that reference, Google it. It was a dark day. <laughs> um, but but genuinely, you know, we knew that. And yet they were still in the first team squad. Now, the reason why these guys were still there is where I think we've got a bit of a problem. And I'm not... This is one of those things where I, I feel like I always have to justify this. I am not pro-Daniel Levy. I'm not anti-Daniel Levy. I am someone who sits back and goes, that guy did well there. And on other occasions I go, I don't agree with that. I I try and judge things on a case-by-case basis. And I think his biggest flaw, just my opinion, is he's a control freak. And therefore, whilst the stadium was being built, and you know everyone talks about the fact how demanding he was, how focused he was on that, he should have appointed someone to look after contracts. He should have appointed someone to look after transfers because whilst he was that focused on the stadium and then we had the delays, he was not focused on other things. And that's that's human. The guy's just one guy. He's delivered a great stadium for all of us, but he took his eye off the ball with other things that we are now suffering for, in my humble opinion. Yeah, I I tend to agree, Sam. Uh, And and it's... It's it, for me. It feels like I mean I know we've mentioned I've mentioned this before, but um, Pochettino is very project driven, isn't he? So he's got a yeah. project, he's got a philosophy, and unfortunately, I, f- I think because of the lack of signing, the lack of team enrichment, yeah. as our base likes yeah. to call it, yeah, nice. It's it's kind of created a feeling of possibly stown stowness. Is that like the way it feels like a little um, stout? It feels like. There's players, we've got players now, and I know you talked about players that never get a game, yeah, and we've yeah, now yeah. got players that aren't buying into the philosophy, yeah. possibly because they should have been moved on earlier, or yeah, they you know, should have been, yeah. they, we, we, we should have moved them on, brought in players that are signed in. I mean, a, a great example of a player, I think, who's just, 
he's like a dog on a lead who wants to tear in, jump into the philosophy. He's setting you on. You can see, like, yeah. when he posts on social media, this guy just wants to get involved. He wants, he's, yeah. he's, he's fully yeah. into, to, yeah, he's he want to work, he, yeah, he yeah. wants to work under Pochettino. He wants to get, and, and we need a, a squad of players that, uh, that yeah. have got that. And unfortunately, whether it be, because Levy's taking his eye off the ball, whether it be that we haven't been able to win any silverware over this last six years or whatever, uh, you know, the level time Pochettino has no, been here. I, I genuinely believe it comes down to um, players in the squad have. It's like a cycle thing. Um, you know, Sir Alex Ferguson used to talk about his squads and stuff like that. They go in cycles. And what is probably the most frustrating thing for me, and the reason why I think Daniel has really let us down with this is that Mauricio Pochettino, for two seasons, has been saying that. Go back to his press conferences. He has said, not even in a subtle way, we need to make changes. We need to change things. The squad needs to change. It it might be painful. You know, he referred to last summer, we're going to have to make some painful decisions, some painful changes. And where, and again, you know, this is my opinion from, from what I've read, where everything I've gone on, is the situation we're in now, stems from the fact that the manager agreed with the chairman we got to ship out five or six of these players some of them are the first team but you know they just need to go because they're not hitting where I want them to be anymore and we need to replace them and he then had those conversations now if you imagine you've built a relationship with a player let's talk about you know him and Danny Rose for example Danny Rose referred to him once as a second father to him they've got a great relationship Danny was, you know, told this summer by Mauricio, one to one, I don't think you're up to the level that we need you to be anymore. And therefore, we're going to look to sell you this summer. I want you to find another club. You know, thank you for everything, but that's the reality. Could you imagine having those kind of conversations then with Victor Wanyama, for example, who we had at Southampton as well? Victor Wanyama loves him, but he's had to say to him, Your knee injuries, you've slowed down, you're not the same player, we're going to have to move you on. He's had those conversations with five or six players who he's then come back in and they're all still there. Mm. Imagine how that feels for the players, for one, because they know the manager doesn't trust them. They know the manager doesn't think they're good enough. They, you know, they, He's literally sat down and told them, yeah. <laughs> you, you, are, you are not at the level I want you to be anymore or we need you to be for this football club. And then they're still there. And he's got to manage them, and they've got to be man. You know, it doesn't work. What's what's forced his hand as well is, you know, you can imagine him thinking, right, okay, so I've signed Cessignon, for example, who's like a, yeah. it could be a replacement for Danny Rose. Yeah. So you know, Danny Rose can. Unfortunately, we haven't been able to sell him, but you know, you can see that he's not good enough because because he's not even making it into the first team. Yeah. But because of these injuries, he's having to still play them, isn't he? Yeah, and as he he did the start of last season. Uh, he did a clear the air talks with a number of players, uh, but that number of players was very small. It was Vincent Janssen, Unkudu, and Toby Alderweireld. You haven't left the club. You're here. You're professionals. If you're going to be here, act professional. I will treat you as such. I will give you a fair crack. You remember he did that big mm. kind of everyone has a fresh start, and the team kind of galvanised and did it. Now, when it's three players like that, and to be honest with you. Toby aside, the other two were kind of fringe players to the group anyway, where they weren't first teamers and to be honest, rarely on the bench. Yeah. 
Therefore, it's not really going to have an impact. But if you've had that conversation with five or six players who are actually in the first team, it's going to have an impact. There, there's just no way of avoiding this conflict. Now, you can you can associate it to anybody in any workplace. I I run my own business, and I once had to lay off staff. Um, we we were closing offices. And there was one office in particular, there were eight people working there, and I had to go in there and have a conversation with all eight of them, one after the other, the office was going to be closed, there were three months, you know, these are all the circumstances, this is what you're going to earn, da 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 It was awful, it was horrible, horrible time during the credit crunch. But, I can tell you right now, those three months where they still had, were working there, were the worst three months we ever had in this office, for productivity, for everything. Because why the hell would they work as hard or try as hard for a company that isn't keeping them? Yeah, Don't it's, care. it's human nature, isn't it? And, it and, is. the, and the, the problem we've got as well, it's not just players that he's, to, he's told them that they're not good enough to, to play. We've also got players, I'd suggest Ericsson, for example, yeah. who he hasn't said that to them. He'd love them to still be the scoreboard, but but it's almost like they they don't want to be there. Yeah, and again, yeah. you, you can relate that, can't you, to... Let me try to think of an example of my, my own personal life. So if I was if I was working for, a, um, let's say, for example, I was working for a bank and I was working as a cashier yeah. and then yeah. I knew that I'd, I'd doing really well at my job and I knew there was this, this massive uh, bank that would offer me three times the amount I'm being paid at the moment, yeah. uh, give me um, a, 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 an office, you know, and, a, and, a, and a, everything would be much, much better. Yeah. I was still under contract for the for the for the small mm. bank I was working at the moment, but yeah. I knew that if I just worked for the rest of the year, then I wouldn't be in a contract anymore and I could move. I don't think my heart would be in it, and and no, and, and, and I understand. I understand. Reality, yeah. yeah, I understand. Ericsson is a profession. He's a prof- professional, right? And I'm not criticising his professionalism at all. I'm just saying that he's a, he, he is a human being. Yeah. And, and as a human being, and, and also, sorry, mate, just just on that point because I just thought of it. He is in line to earn a massive amount of money by running down that contract. Either mm. in January, he'll sign a pre-contract deal with someone, and it will agree because whoever signs him isn't paying a sixty to a hundred million pound fee for him. Mm. So they'll be putting ten to twenty million in his bank account. Mm. And if he gets injured, that ain't gonna happen. He breaks his leg in a tackle playing for us. It ain't gonna happen. So he ain't gonna be. A hundred percent. He's not going to be a committed player, and it doesn't matter how many. You know, he rips his hamstring. Game over for mm. him. Mm. The same goes for Toby, who's got hamstring problems. Well, should I break my neck making that run? No. Why should I? Yeah. Jan is in a similar position. You know. Uh, you know. I love Jan Vertonghen. Everything about him, he's brilliant for us. But he is in that final. He's in that situation as well, where he's possibly thinking, well. If the club aren't going to offer me a deal that I want to sign, I'm going to have to go elsewhere. I can't get injured. If I get yeah. injured, that's it. And that's not just my that, career over. Yeah. And, and talking to Jan and Toby, these are two players that are, are in the autumn of their career. So it's even yeah. more important for them to, yeah. to, to stay fit. Yeah, it is. And, and this is this is the kind of... So many factors are involved right now and so many things that are out of the manager's control that it's when people are talking about you got to sack him. And, I, and, I try, and again, I take a step back and I go, okay... We sack him, right? So Mauricio Pochettino's gone. None of the problems in our squad 
are solved by that sacking. Like no new manager is going to come in and go, "Hey, Ericsson baby, here's a new contract. You'll <laughs> sign it for me, won't you?" And he'll go, "Oh yeah, whoever you are, yeah, I'll sign a new contract now." Toby, Jan, hey, come on, you know me, sign the deal. That, that's not a reality. Mm. Now, yeah, some of those players that Mauricio Pochettino sat down and said, "Look, you're not to our level now. You need to go." They might find motivation from a new manager because it's a clean slate for them. But I go back to the fact if Mauricio Pochettino says they're not good enough, I agree with him. Mm. And based on the evidence so far this season, those players that I've quoted, 100% are not Champions League level. Well, and to be honest, aren't top four Premier League level, top six. Yeah, I, I mean, you've only, you've only got I mean, a player we haven't even mentioned yet, but Serge Aurier, you've only got to look at him, who's, who's another player that's, that, that wants to leave. I mean, he had, he had a good game against Palace, I, I agree, he, that, he, he did, had a good game, but apart from that, he's been dreadful this season, yeah. and I mean, obviously that red card he got that could have potentially cost us the game, you know, and yeah. I, I, it, it's, for me, for me, it feels like a perfect storm of, of, of things at the moment that's been, it's almost, they've been, they've been uh, bubbling uh, under yeah. the surface because it's, of, because of what you said, because Levy took his eye off the ball with the squad. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's, it's been, it's been bubbling and bubbling and we've been above the surface and we've, we've yeah. kind of, we, me, me and you, I think we've, we've talked about it quite a lot, but because, yeah. because we were winning games still, I mean, we had, we, like I say, we lost, what is it, 13 odd games last season. So yeah. we still lost a lot of games, but we still but qualified. We had the Champions the, League. We had we the had Champions League. Yeah, we, yeah, yeah, we had the Champions League. Exactly. And, and we still qualified. We were still in the top four yeah. in the league. So yeah. we, we, we allowed ourselves to kind of, um, to, to let it bubble under the surface. But because we're, playing poorly this season and it's rose above the surface we're kind of it's now brought it all into focus isn't it and it, yeah. it does feel like a perfect storm of of uh, of events that are creating this and I, I i feel like for me i feel like we just it is it's the it's a squad that drastically drastically needs a change not yeah. one or two changes we have to drastically change things yeah. in this in this yeah. in this squad that like you say there's a list of five or six players that that need to go there's there's players that we don't want to go but for the sake of the squad for the sake of us getting back to where we want to be again have to leave have to leave you know yeah, and, and and then there's and then there's players that i think that 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 um that Pochettino could bring in young players. I mean, I'm not going to name any, but because to be honest, I haven't really thought about it. But I'm sure there's players out there that he he could really sink. Sessignon, for example, the player we have signed. Yeah. Look, it's once you know once Pochettino gets his teeth set into Sessignon, you are going to see. Yeah. I promise you, an amazing player. I promise you, you will. He's going to be a regular England and, player. And Giovanni Lo Celso, yep. once he's adapted, I, I think absolutely. he's going to be phenomenal. For Abs- I, I, um, I absolutely un- agree. Undombele, we're starting to see flashes of his ability to pick passes as well as dominating midfield. There, there is stuff there that are positives without a shadow of a doubt. Um, I thought of an analogy the other day, um, and I came up with this all by myself, so you can oh, well done, me mate. for it afterwards. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Yeah. I'm from Bristol, and I came up with an analogy. Wow. It's a first for everything, isn't it? Yeah, when someone first said an analogy to me, I thought they were going to try and play with me ass. Anyway, (laughs) moving on. So, I I came up with this from Richard Pochini. People calling for him to be sacked, you know, know, performances suffered and everything like that. And I came up with this analogy of a cleaner. Imagine you employ employ a cleaner to clean your house. The cleaner has been cleaning your house for five years and it, it does an impeccable job. Like, literally, the job is phenomenal. That cleaner could you know you could eat off the floor it's just done this amazing job all the time now imagine that someone bulldozes your house 
that cleaner could still do the exact same level of job, could be doing an incredible job, the best job they could possibly do, they're still polishing rubble. And you're going to judge them based, you know, you're going to fire them, even though they're still doing that same incredible job because someone else has let other things slide. And that's the reality for me. The reality is Daniel Levy and the club have focused on the stadium quite rightly for the long-term benefit of the football club. But in doing that, they took their eyes off of the short term. And in the short term, the manager has been screaming for the squad to be turned over, changed, for things to happen that haven't. If he was silent and complicit in a way, I'd kind of say, yeah, he needs to shoulder some of this. But he's not been. I've never known him since joining us be so clear about what needed to happen. I mean, he got so frustrated in the summer that it wasn't happening. He even started telling press conferences, look, well, it's got nothing to do with me. Transfers, I'm not the manager, I'm just the coach, clearly. Because I've said what needs to happen and it's not happening. And yet people want to sack him. <laughs> He's mm. on our side. Yeah. <laughs> he, he literally agrees with us, is screaming his head off what needs to happen... And, and the club hierarchy have not done it. Now, that's not me screaming Levy out, Enoch out, because I don't believe that. I think for the long-term benefit of this football club, they've done a phenomenal job. So many things. But at the same time, I can look at that and go, yeah, you've done a phenomenal job of all that, but you have dropped the ball here. And that is what needs to happen now. That, Daniel Levy needs to pick that ball back up and go, right, you're right. This is uh, a mistake. We're in a mess. How do we fix the mess? And the reality is, every window now is important. January, we rarely do anything in January. This January, we need to shift players and yes. we need to bring those players in. Yeah, yeah, you're right. And can I just say, Sam, that was a fantastic analogy, mate. Really good. I was oh, really impressed. You. No, I was really impressed. It, it yeah. really, I, I couldn't, I couldn't put it any better myself. You, yeah. you just hit the nail absolutely on the head. Yeah, it's it, impossible. Pe- pe- people to need to. Do... Yeah, sorry, go on. Go on, mate. I just, I just want to say it's people need to realise that the, the, the knee-jerk reaction, the knee-jerk feeling is things are going wrong, sack the manager. Mm-hmm. And it, it, the, your, your mind needs... like you know, I'm, I'm not saying people are just thinking simply, but no. you just need to... Think, think, like it, it's, a, it's a deeper thought process than yeah. we're not doing well, sack the manager. It, there's more to it than that, you know? Yeah, it is, I, yeah. I, and and I, I get frustrated um, when... You know, you'll see people on on social media uh, question Pochettino's tactics, and it's one of those things where <laughs> if, thing, if things if you would won the game, his his tactics wouldn't have even no, mattered. No like, plan you know, B. No plan B. That's a frustrating my, one. My, my my pet hate. Oh yeah. god! But like you know, he's made the subject the wrong time or this and that. Yeah. And, and if we'd have won the game, that wouldn't have even been questioned. It's always it's, no. it's only his, his tactics only ever get questioned when when we when we well, when, we lose, yeah. when we lose of a course, game. Yeah. But you know, I I even saw. I think I might have even mentioned this before. But you know, I saw someone say, um, "He's got to go." Look at look look at the tactics of the Champions League final last season. You know, oh, yeah. uh, and and it's just like if you are, could you, could you be more short sighted than that? Could could you be potentially yeah. more? You're talking about the same manager that got us to the Champions League final to the yeah. Champions League final. He he got us there. You know, yeah. so it, it, I I just I am one hundred percent agreeing with what you're saying it is that analogy is, is perfect he, he's he's done so much for this club i mean you, you've you've said it before 
you know, we, we had the Dyer AVB and Tim Sherwood era before them. Yeah. He he has made us love our club again, hasn't he? He's yeah, put that yeah. big red heart slap bang in the middle of the football ground again. We we love our club, which is probably why we're all hurting now because because it of the, the, yeah. what we're going through. But that's but we're only hurting so much because of what he's done at the club, yeah. the level he's brought us to. He's brought us to such an amazing level as a football club that if we can just fix the problems, if we can. If we make if if Levy can can um, do the right thing in January, and yep. not if 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 bids come in for Wenyama, uh, uh, Rose, uh, Aurier, uh, if if bids bids come in for these players, don't just try to barter them until January the thirty first. Just let let them go. Let and them that, go. Take the take that a is... hit for it. Yeah, because that, I un- I understand he wants to I understand he wants to he wants to squeeze every single pound out of the yeah. people that are buying him. But yeah. sometimes he just has to let his ego take a back step and and do what's best for the club. And what 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 would be best for the club is just to let these players go, let them go. And 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 then, the, and then like I say, we've got the likes of Sessignon, and I know sort of keep mentioning him, but he's one player that he's so excited to be playing for his club, and we need. More players yeah. like that. We need to rejuvenate. We need to. We need to we, uh, Pochettino's got this. 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 This project. He's got this philosophy. And if he can, if he's got eleven players or fifteen players or whatever many players that that are, that are want to want to play for, like like we did two or three years ago, yeah. we had that then, you know. And if he can get that back, then this will just be a, a, a small blip in 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 the whole thing, you know. Yeah. No. No. I agree. Um. All right, we got other questions to go through because we kind of really went in on that one. So yeah, um, sorry, man, I got very passionate there, didn't I? Yeah, you, you did. It was good. I liked it. I was inspired. Uh, Marty Oss says, "Are the next batch of academy graduates likely to be good enough to force their way into the team?" Aside from Troy Parrott, who seems to be very highly rated, we don't seem to have any Mounts, Tamores, Hudson Odoi, Martinelli, or Willocks down the back of the sofa. I like the down the back of the sofa analogy. <laughs> Um, when it comes to the academy, it's very difficult to judge, um, and that's not me trying to cop out on that question. Um, it, it is a genuine thing because, uh, for example, I actually watched the Chelsea youth team against the Tottenham youth team, which featured Hudson Odoi, Mason Mount, uh, Tammy Abrahams, and we absolutely spanked them. Um, we beat that team five three in a game, uh, a game I went to watch. Um, the team of Tottenham players who played that day, the vast majority of them are now playing League 2, League 1 football. Whereas Mason Mount, Hudson Adoy, etc. are all Chelsea first-teamers. Would they be Chelsea first-teamers if Chelsea had a transfer ban? The answer to that, quite simply, is no. no they would not. Yeah, They'd be absolutely. on loan in the Championship at best. Um, you know, Hudson Adoy was out the door. You know, he was, yeah, I've got an offer from Germany. I want to leave because I know I'm never going to get into the first team here. Transfer ban happened, Chelsea offered him stupid money, and he's staying. So, you know, the academy's very difficult. There are players in our academy who I look at on a regular basis and go, do you know what, put them in the first team. Mm. Because the lads in the first team aren't trying as hard. Let's just bring a couple of these lads in and give it a go. The issue you've got is you kind of... The atmosphere around our fans now is quite toxic. 2015-16, when Pochettino came in... He introduced the likes of Mason, etc., into the side, and people were willing to be patient. People were willing to kind of, you know, we're at a crappy level, Europa League level, uh, mid-table Premier League, challenging for the Europa League, uh, top 10 team, if you like. Um, And so people were willing to give him that chance. And in the Europa League, Harry Kane got his start. 
and you know we all know how that went and how he became the the king that he is um but if not for that if not for those opportunities and those kind of competitions those players would never have made it into our team you know harry kane would probably be at south end right now mm-hmm. which there's so much luck circumstance so much stuff involved you know oliver skip is a fantastic young footballer he's now playing england under 21 level despite only recently you know he's 18 turning 19 next year he is just a great football player but i see team i see our fans just ripping into him with every opportunity he gets that's no good (laughs) that's Mm. great i mean the kid ain't on social media thank god Mm. And, and I don't blame him for that at all. It's awful. Um, Carl Walker-Peters, for me, has given everything to be a part of this club, to be part of this first team. He's stayed when the advice to him probably would have been to go. And now he's seeing central defenders converted to right back ahead of him. Mm. And a lot of that's down to his confidence. His confidence is shot. And his confidence is shot... Probably because every time he's made a mistake, people are ready you know, writing him off. Young players have got to be able to play football and have got to be allowed to make mistakes, or they'll never learn. They'll never get better. Um, but to, to go back to your point, Marty, there are, I'd say, eight players, including Troy Parrott, who could play in the first team right now, and surrounded by better players, their level would lift and they'd be okay. There isn't a <laughs> it's difficult because Hudson Adoy, for example, wasn't the name he is now until he had that chance. He got thrown in and he took it. There are players in the academy who I believe could do that. You know, they could if we had an injury crisis or Pochettino snaps and benches half the squad. There are players there that could suddenly take that chance and be like Harry Kane, take the opportunity and run with it and never look back. But you're never going to know that until it happens. So it's very difficult to predict. Um, that's my point, I think, on that. Yeah. Um, Aaron Jewell says, Hi, Sam. Love the pod. Yeah, I like you, Aaron. <laughs> uh, I have the opinion that the senior players of the squad are bored. Like anything, after five years of doing the same thing, day in, day out, you lose your passion. You need to keep evolving in order to keep moving forward. Change is inevitable. This is a small bump in a long road. Thoughts. You kind of touched on this a minute ago, didn't you? Yeah, I, I completely agree with him. I, I do. I, I just think it's... Um, and obviously, we've been talking about it for, for, uh, for mainly the whole of the podcast uh, yeah. today. But it, it it does it it needs an injection of rejuvenation and it, it needs an injection of players that are that that, that are, are really and I'm, I'm struggling to find the word Sam enthusiastic. really enthusiastic yeah and 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 they buy into it yeah. and and I think the thing is the players we've got they they all bought into it but unfortunately I feel like a lot of them are now buying out <laughs> which is just yeah and and, and that's and necessary is at the moment we we, we need to really rejuvenate the squad and. And I, I, I like, I like that. I like that comment. I agree with him. Yeah. I think it's a good comment. I like the first bit as well. Thank you very much. Oh, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Matthew Fleming says, "Can the club resist the easy way out of sacking Poch and instead take the one-season hit with a view to fulfil the long-term plan?" Surely Poch has earned some credit with the board. My opinion is that this is the season of transition which we must endure to get to next season to stay part to to start part two of the project. A second question. Do you think the January window could be a good time to get some of the deadwood out and get some fresh players in? To be honest with you, Matthew, I think we've kind of answered this in our earlier rants slash um, (laughs) speeches on the subject. Um, Me and Matt, I'm speaking for Matt here, we don't want to see the manager leave. No. 
I honestly think, and this again is probably naive on my part, if the board were going to sack him, it would have happened Monday. Because you've got an international break, you'd have time to bring someone in, you'd have time to talk to all the players. If that makes sense, it kind of like if you're going to make that knee jerk, you know, time to do it, it would have been then. Um, the fact we went past Monday and Pochettino said in a speech that he still very much had the backing of Daniel Levy, I think that kind of answers that. I think I think he's staying. Hmm. Um, cool. When it comes to January, God, yeah, I hope so. Yeah. Uh, Matt Hope says, looking forward to this one. You sadistic sod, Matt Hope. <laughs> He's a meanie. Uh, Gary Taylor says, can we please play our best team in position they're used to playing? I expect professional to be. I expect professionals to be able to play in different positions, but let's be honest, quite a lot of today's footballers cannot do that. Spurs midfield at times remind me when I played in junior school when the whole team ran after the ball. <laughs> the Spurs midfielder at times doing this and exposing the back four and enabling gaps to appear. Um... Yeah, Gary. Yeah, I think he might be going a bit too far to say that we're playing like a bunch of juniors. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I know, I know what he means. I know, I know how he feels sometimes. Um, there are certain players at this football club right now who I think the manager is choosing to play because he has no choice. Mm. Uh, I think you, you look at certain circumstances of what's gone on, and I think he is likely like us putting his head through a wall through mm. frustration. Mm. Uh, well, if anyone who's read his book, he's probably eating a lot of junk food right now. <laughs> um, yeah, and slicing a lot of lemons. He genuinely, there are situations where, like we discussed a little bit earlier about all the different players, all the different problems and situations. Um, and I think he's just trying to find a combination that works from what he has. Yeah, um, it, it, it's like it, it's at the moment. I feel like he's firefighting at the moment. Yeah, yeah, constantly. Yeah, yeah with like every team selection, there's mm. like something that's a bit like, oh, I wonder what formation we're playing. Or I wonder what this, and it feels less about this is my philosophy, this is our formation, this is how we're going to play, and we're just going to kick ass at it. It's more just okay. This week, so and so in training told me to f off, so mm. they're not playing. Mm. Um, do, do you know what I mean? I'm not saying that's happened. I'm just saying it just feels like a constant firefighting exercise of, well, I can't play so-and-so ahead of so-and-so because so-and-so wants to leave, and if I pick them ahead of them, they're going to be demotivated. And mm. you see what I mean? It's yep, like, it's just yeah. a constant uh, cluster. Um, there, there's always more to it, which is frustrating. But yeah, I take that point on board. Uh, Robert Vassell says, how is Levy paying himself, how is Daniel Levy paying himself such a huge sum for bringing no on-field success to the club? Surely running a football club, success is not judged on well-run club, but wins nothing. Maybe if his pay was linked to an on-field success, we would not be stashing money for Joe Lewis. We would actually put as much effort into getting the squad improved as he did micromanaging everything on the stadium. Um, do you mind if I take this? Because Go for I, it. I know a bit about this. Um, there's a common misconception, Rob, that um, <laughs> the Enoch are profiting from the club at the moment. They're not. For the last, I think, three years accounts, which are published online, um, anyone as nerdy as me can read them, every ounce of money the club has made has gone back into, uh, it's gone back into the projects, uh, from the stadium, to the training facilities, to the um, the lodges that were built at the training ground as well. Uh, so basically, every time the club's made money, it's gone back in. Enoch haven't taken a, a pound in three possibly four uh, definitely three maybe four years so the the the, the kind of 
you know, profits over glory thing is, uh, it's it's not right. <laughs> it's actually wrong. Um, where I think the, the the conception is over Daniel Levy's salary as well is Daniel Levy is the chairman of Tottenham Hotspur PLC. Um, that is as much as this is going to sound counterproductive. Has nothing to do with on-field success. That's down to the manager, the players, the team. Which, granted, he appoints and he's in charge of. But that's like saying the director of McDonald's is directly responsible for the individual restaurant. You know, it doesn't work that way. He mm. is responsible for the whole football club, and his responsibility and salary is dictated on his achievements in that. Uh, the other thing, which has been misreported this week. Um, he took a £6 billion salary three years ago. He's not taken that again. And previous to that, he didn't take it. But basically, that £6 million salary in that one season was based around Eden hitting loads of targets for Enoch, which isn't profit targets, it's club growth. Uh, the commercial side of the club grew something like 30%. Uh, the club's on-field uh, revenue from sponsorships, things like that, grew like 50%. He hit all of those targets. And if you work in a company, anyone works for people who are self-employed, you have targets. If you hit them, you earn. And, that, and that's what happened. So the press of... Um, there's this new press thing, The Athletic. And I signed up to it for their free trial and quickly realised it's still crap like everything else. You wasn't impressed with yourself. <laughs> no, I was not impressed. I genuinely thought without it needing to be clickbait, we'd have some real journalism in there. But no, whether perhaps the journalists are so entrenched in that sensationalism crap, I don't know. But the the amount of inaccuracies in the article, which then got put in the Daily Mail and other press, because that's what they do, they regurgitate each other, was shocking. Especially when the accounts are available online. <laughs> you know, mm. It's not like people can't fact check this. You know, it took 10 minutes. Google, um, what did Tottenham's, you know... What did Daniel Levy earn from Tottenham last year? Oh, there you go. That article is wrong. <laughs> it's just, it's just, and by reporting that, it then led to articles that said Tottenham players are jealous of Daniel Levy's salary. Um, I doubt it. <laughs> yeah. I think our squad players are earning the same, if not more, than that. So yeah, I um, I I don't buy into that really. Um, and. I, I do get because of the way it's been reported why people are saying it, but it, it just that's not the reality. The reality right now is the money's going back into the club. Will it stay that way forever? God no. Of course Enoch wanna make money from this football club. In fact they'll probably sell it once they've you know, established the naming rights on the stadium, etc. But right now, all they've done is reinvest. But I know from a fan's point of view we're like, well, reinvest in the players then. <laughs> but, yeah, that's not what's happened. That's, yeah. that's the way it is. Uh, Simon Whiteman says, agree with some of the comments about giving the youth a chance. It did work in Pock's first season. Do you think that could be the best try for Spurs this season to give to give a break to these kids who want to play for the club? Even if the results are you know not great in a lower league finish, but it feels like we're heading that way anyway if we stick with the current contract rebels and sulkers um yeah i, I, I tend to agree yeah yeah i mean that's yeah. the thing if, if he gets to christmas and it becomes clear that this is going to be a kind of in inverted inverted commas yeah. you know um painful uh, year painful year you know or year to write off then why not why not why not get some players up 
you know, promote some players and give them a chance because they're going to be chomping at the bit, aren't they? And yeah, I mean, that's I'd, what we need a bit more of. Yeah, I mean, I'd argue anytime Wanyama gets minutes right now, Oliver Skip's being cheated. Yes, exactly. Um, exactly. Anytime, yeah. Yeah, well, I, I could go on with that, but I'll stop. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, no, Simon, I I tend to agree with that. Um, if if we get to a point where we're going to go, do you know what? This is going to be our painful rebuild year. You know, January we shift some of these players because that's the thing. Like Wanyama can leave in January. We don't need to sign a replacement for Victor Wanyama. We have Oliver Skip. Mm. And so my my point in that is like Daniel Levy can sell Wanyama. You know, get. Three to five, six Just million. Just take whatever, whatever we were offered I mean, for. We him. signed him for eleven million quid. He was great for a couple of seasons. We've done well <laughs> from mm. that. Mm. He is now just a negative thing in the squad that is causing a problem. Uh, Danny Rose, take a small amount for him. Let the guy. He served the club for like eleven years. We don't. You know, we signed him for a million quid from Leeds. He served us for a, a decade. Let the guy go for free if he yeah, wants to. You exactly. Know? It, it doesn't need. You don't need to cash in on this. Uh, but anyway, that's that's just me. Um, Stefan Cruz Alvarez, also known as Stepin Stefan, says <laughs> having seen the under twenty ones beat Colchester on penalties. Try not to focus on that. I nearly cried. Um, <laughs> but they actually scored a goal on open play. Yes, we did. Uh, Oakley Booth. Um, you know, is it time for some of them? I mean, a similar thing. Is it time for some of them to kick the big boys out at the RC? Uh, yes, mm. yes, it is. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Robert Vassell, you've written another thing about Daniel Levy here. I'm going to skip past it. Sorry, Robert. But um, and Dave Merlin says you can see from the earlier comments that a lot of supporters simply do not understand the club finances and seem to think that Enoch Daniel Levy are walking away with all the money. This is leading to a lot of criticism of Daniel Levy, Enoch. It would be well worth explaining how the stadium... Pro- uh, to be honest with you, Dave, I think I've just done that. You've just done that. <laughs> yeah. Oh, okay, so we're good. Um, you read his mind. Is, yeah. Oh, there we go, Dave. Um, I feel like I'm ahead of the game when I do that. Oh, yeah. Total fluke as well. But, um, yeah, man. I mean, I think that's everything. I... Um, I'd like to add. I'd like to talk about one thing, if I may. Please, yeah. Uh, that that is loosely, I guess, football related, but it just really made me. I know you was aware of it yesterday, but it did make me uh, make me laugh. Okay. Which was the uh, the Colleen Rooney tweet. Uh, you mean yeah, uh, yeah. Wag, <laughs> wagger for Christie, Colleen Rooney. Yeah. I just, it is just genius in so many ways. It's that I mean, there's there's so much negativity, and it we talk about this all the time. So much, <laughs> but with Twitter, there's so much negativity. It could be so yeah. toxic, yeah. but it's worth enduring Twitter just for those golden nuggets, isn't it? It, it was beautiful for me. That's what that platform was designed for. Yeah. Uh, celebrities who I care nothing about, and even celebrities as being kind going to war over that and she did it in such an amazing it's way brilliant this, I love this dot, dot, dot at the end and then we find out it's Rebecca Vardy yeah, I know the drama I was like gripped by it um, it was great and then people were tweeting you know Team Colleen and stuff like that I, I, yeah I genuinely had a lot of fun with that yesterday so yeah well done for bringing that up <laughs> um, but yeah I mean some of the stuff that's gone on since then I mean like you know give 
give, give Colleen the file, she'll find Madeline McCann and stuff like that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> or let her handle Brexit, I think. <laughs> yeah, yeah, let her do anything she wants right now. Clearly, she's a she's a step above everybody. Um, and now we've had the denials from the other side. Oh, other people have access to that account. Yeah, whatever. It was. Do you know? Do you know what, Sam? I, just, I love. I absolutely love when everyone's when any, when anybody's caught red-handed on social media. Yeah. The, the go-to excuse is I've been hacked. It's the go-to excuse. It can't be me. I think my account's been hacked. (laughs) Well, there were one of my favorite. This is yeah. This is going back a step, but quite funny. It's funny now, anyway. My favorite reply to Tottenham tweeting the full-time result against Bayern Munich of Bayern seven, Tottenham two, and that's all they put. You know, just like they're not going to comment on it. Mm. My favorite reply was, "Has this account been hacked? Please tell me it has." Someone wasn't someone able to keep up the score. And, and I was just like, yeah, brilliant. But I, I then did just have this imagination of someone being really busy at work or something, and they don't know, you know, oh, I'm just going to check the score. You know, just go on. So, no, that's a joke, in it? Come on. Come on, no. please. Please, yeah. no, surely. No. So just... doing a, du- a double take, like, yeah. you know, am I, am, am my eyes, do I need to put my glasses on? Does that say <laughs> yeah. seven? Yeah. That's, that's a typo. I'll, I'll, I'll hit refresh. Yeah. Or, or imagine someone seeing the score and seeing six two. Oh, I'll hit refresh. That can't be right. Seven? It's seven now? Because that was the thing, the, the proper admin for Tottenham thing, for the last goal, just put, and another. Oh, God. <laughs> oh, God. No. No, mate. Just just go home. Just stop tweeting. Just tweet something like, yeah, I'm out. Good luck, oh, everybody. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to go watch the cricket. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm done. Yeah. Oh, oh the really? cricket. That was fun. I remember the summer. Oh, beautiful yeah, time. Yeah, the good old days. Yeah, filled, filled with, you know. Hope. Joy, <laughs> yeah. There, there was a real kind of sense of oh, maybe, oh. maybe we'll kick on. Oh. Uh, but anyway, um, I hope everyone's enjoyed this week. Sometimes to uh, get through something, you got to air it all. So that's what we've done. Uh, we tried to do it with a smile on our faces, even though we're grimacing at times. <laughs> uh, but yeah, big thank you to everybody for listening. Um, we're going to be interested to see what the listening figures are for this because. You know, typically when Tottenham are playing crap, we <laughs> might be just, the two of us this week. Yeah, yeah, it could be. Uh, although, judging by the Facebook comments, we have got a few people waiting the sadistic sods. Yeah, I've been looking forward to this. <laughs> I remember who you are. Uh, but yeah, we'll be back next week, uh, health willing, um, and hopefully Tottenham will be on track and Pochettino will still be the manager. Uh, but, mate, for me, that's me out. Take care, mate. you for listening to the Spurs News Podcast. Be sure to join over 50,000 other Spurs fans on our Facebook page at Spurs News. Until next time, come on you Spurs! And remember, to dare is to do.